You're listening to the Husker Cuzcast Sports Show, the official podcast of HuskerHype.com. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hey guys, Justin here along with the cousins, Derek and Tyler. Another great show planned for tonight. We'll bring in Jake from the Urban Renewal Podcast to talk about the upcoming Ohio State game, make some guest picks. Uh, now, we were on his podcast before the season started to discuss the Nebraska-Ohio State Ohio State matchup. It was a lot of fun, but my God, guys, how different has our outlook uh, changed You know, from, from when we were on his show to now? That's a little bit crazy. What did you think about that, Derek? Well, yeah, you know, it's it's changed so much on both sides. Like, I'm not as scared of Ohio State as I probably should be after watching them the last four weeks. Uh, oh, watching the first good. six weeks in Nebraska, I would have thought we were going to get killed by this team, which I didn't think at the beginning of the season. So, I mean, my, my I, I'm up and down both sides. I, I don't know what to think of this game yet. Well, we'll definitely get into it here in a bit. But, uh, but first... The Huskers were handed win number two this season with a 45-9 beatdown over an overmatched Bethune-Cookman team. Uh, so there's no reason to get too far into depth with this one. But uh, what are your thoughts on this game, Tyler? Well, I, I'm, I'm happy the game played out exactly like I thought it was going to. Um, you know, Nebraska's first string on offense looked dominant in the first half, putting up 35 points. Um, Adrian Martinez was extremely efficient again. Um, having a great game, and you know, at the end of the day, the running attack did what it needed. So I was very happy with the first half of uh, football. Defense overall, I thought looked pretty good. Um, you know, the, they gave up some yards, maybe a little bit more than I would have liked to see against a team like Bethune Cookman. But um, all in all, I mean, this was the game that we needed. We got out of there injury free. Mm-hmm. Um, we got some good reps for our backups, and it was exactly what we needed. Derek, do you got any hot takes coming out of this game? You, you know, it, like Tyler said, this, this was what we expected it to be. It was what we needed it to be. It was a scrimmage. And the biggest thing I took out of this game is we had 74 players on the participation report. So to get that many players into play a game is good. For, it was good for the team. Uh, you talk about scoring 35 points in the first half. Well, 28 points of those came in the first quarter, and then they kind of really let up a lot. Uh, there was also a 77-yard punt return by J.D. Spielman, which was encouraging, even though it was on a lesser team. But kind of gives you a little hope that maybe the special teams are starting to head back in the right direction again. And uh, oh, overall, it was exactly what we all expected it to be. I, I you know, you can't take too much out of it because they were way overmatched. Tyler, you know, you know, it's funny you mentioned that punt return and and that play. And I don't have the numbers in front of me exactly, so I apologize. But that that singular play took our punt return to something like 120th in the country to 44th in the country. Oh, really? And and it's amazing. It kind of made me, like, second-guess this whole punt return statistic when you can have one good punt return. And now, all of a sudden, we're an average punt return team. So um, it's just amazing the difference that one game can make. Yeah, we're averaging 11.11 yards per punt return now, off of one return. 77 yards will do that when you've only had probably a total of 20 returns all year. So. Yeah. Hey, I want to I want to keep it with with uh, special teams right here for a second. 
Uh, Isaac Armstrong, man, that guy was booming some punts. He had a 73-yard punt. He averaged 57.3 yards per punt with his three kicks that game. Now, I got to ask you guys, you know, why was this dude sitting on the bench at all? I don't care if Caleb Lightborn hadn't screwed up. This guy should have been our starter all along, right? It certainly seems that way. I mean, the guy's got a leg. I mean, he just he just boots the ball, and I, it, it's amazing to watch him kick the ball. And, and it's not it's not even just the distance; it's where he puts the ball. When it's a long punt, he puts it on the sideline. If it's inside the twenty, he puts it. He, he seems to be able to stop it at inside the five. Something that we just never had with Lightborn, and I don't know what took the staff so long to see it. But again, I think we talked. We talked about this last week. I, you don't know what you see in practice, and I think they tried to give Lightborn every chance they could, and it didn't work. And so now here we are with Armstrong, and hey, he's awesome. Let's root for him. Yeah. Now, Tyler, you kind of cringed when I said that. There, why? Why did you cringe when I said that? Well, I, I. Isaac Armstrong has punted great, and, and he has definitely earned that starting spot. I, I you know, the reason I kind of cringe is I, you have always hated Caleb Lightborn, and I just feel like of all the things to talk about in this Bethune Cookman game, you just decide to throw a little bit more shade on Caleb Lightborn. Hey, um, and dude, and you just that's your three yard punt, seventy three yard punt. Come on, man, that's great. I, again, I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm. It, uh, Isaac Armstrong has been fantastic, and he has earned that starting spot. And to your point, that what he has done over these last couple games um, is better, probably than anything um, you know Caleb Lightborn has done in his career. But let's not forget, Caleb Lightborn <laughs> was a scholarship. He was a two-year returning starter at punter. You want to know why he was the starter? That those are probably the factors. It's I mean, is you have a returning punter? I was that the right choice? I don't know. But obviously, Isaac Armstrong's not doing not well, right but choice. but I don't know who decided to tell uh, Lightborn to start doing a rugby style pun. That was probably the worst decision ever. Uh, yeah. Well, all right. So I didn't think we'd talk about punter this long, and this uh, that kind of stole the show. That that you know, to uh, Nebraska's credit. Uh, that just goes to show about this Bethune-Cookman game, you know. Uh, we just got it done the way that we needed to. Just, you know, check that box, move on to the next one. And so it gives us uh, time to talk about Isaac Armstrong. Otherwise, if it was a close game, we never would talk about that, I don't think. Not in that depth. Hey, before we move on, uh, let's talk about Noah Vedral. He finally got some playing time this weekend. Uh, he came in number two after Adrian Martinez. As a surprise. Tyler, what did you think of his performance? Well, I wasn't very, very impressed with it, to be honest. I mean, I, I you know, I, I will credit to some of this to the players he was playing with in the offensive line performance, but this is the two times I've seen Noah Vedral touch the football field. The kid has been less than impressive uh, the second half of this game in the spring game. Um, you know, right now he has been bumped up after that performance to now number two on the depth chart. I get he knows this system. I get that he looks pretty good, but I've seen very little evidence that he is better than Andrew Bunch at this point. Do you agree, Derek? I, I don't know what to agree with at this point. Uh, Tyler, I agree with what you're saying. It, the two times we've seen him, he hasn't looked good. He didn't look good in this game, but you know what? As far as I'm concerned, we're screwed if we lose anybody because that offensive line looked terrible. 
You can talk about Noah Vedrill. He had a couple good passes that wide receivers completely dropped that were just completely on the wide receivers. Uh, I'm not trying to make excuses for Noah Vedrill because he did not look good, except for the one run that he ran in for a touchdown. Out of the backups, the only one that looked good was Wyatt Mazur. And, and you can argue all you want. Defensively, there were some backups that looked pretty good. Uh, offensively, not so much. The, the best pl- the, the best play by the offensive line in that game was John Raritan running him back to get a fumble that he had allowed a sack on that caused the fumble in the first place. <laughs> Tyler? Yeah, I, mean, I agree. The whole backups look bad. You know, the defense, you know, there's a people that made some comments um, about the defense, the fact that we didn't start off our second string. And I think Damon Benny did a really good job during the broadcast highlighting the fact that our first and second string defense, there is such a blend between that. Um, that is kind of hard to go second strings because what are you going to do? Play the Davis twins? Oh, wait, they play first string anyway. Like, it, it's yeah. there isn't a huge separation in first and second string. So I get why you kind of leave the starters out there when you rotate so much. Um, I just I don't know if I agree with Frost's strategy of not giving Andrew Bunch any snaps in that game. You know, if Martinez does go down, Derek, we might be screwed. Uh, we really might be. But like, if Bunch is as good or at least comparable to that draw, give them both some reps to help them develop. I agree with you on that, but I see I see where Frost is coming from a little bit. Like. Bunch has gotten some chance to play, and Vedral hasn't. And so why not give him a few more extra snaps in this game? It's not like the offense had a lot of snaps anyway. I think we only had the ball for like a total of like 10 minutes in the whole second half. So it wasn't like there was a lot of snaps anyway. So I guess I don't have a problem with him putting Vedral in there just to get him some snaps. I mean, you're only going to play the guy four games tops probably anyway because they want to redshirt him. So if you're going to put him in four games, and this is the one, one of the four games, and probably possibly the only game you just well get him as many snaps as you can well also it could so, be you know maybe maybe scott frost didn't want to take him out until he had like a uh, a positive drive something to hang his hat on you know to call it a day i mean he he wasn't shining by no means so you know just give him a, give him a shot to shine i don't know i'm giving him the benefit of the doubt here <laughs> tyler no i mean that may be a fair point and you you know Get him as many snaps because going into next year, we will be bringing in McCaffrey, who, you know, reasonably say could could be our second string quarterback. Um, but in case of emergency, it is going to be between these two. Get them both some reps so you can have a competition for next year. Any other comments on uh, backups? Second half of the let's, game? Let's pray nobody gets hurt because I'm telling you, we're in <laughs> trouble. <laughs> I agree right there. I, I, th- I think we learned in this game, if we learned anything in this game, we've learned why we haven't seen a lot of backups because they're not very good. Uh, yeah. Hey, you got to give them playing time, though. Just got to get them out there. Throw them to the wolves. They can only get better. Hey, we haven't done this in a while, uh, so I think it's time that we do this. Uh, a recruiting breakdown. We got to give it a recruiting update. There's been some big news in Huskerland the past couple of weeks. Derek. What do you what do you see out there? All right, this is a big week for Nebraska, and it's going to continue to be a big week. Uh, this last week, we picked up Darian Chase, a four star athlete who plays wide receiver and defensive back. He's out of the state of Washington. He's the number one player out of the state of Washington, according to twenty four seven composite. Uh, he's had offers from Washington, Washington State, USC, UCLA, Notre Dame, Oregon, Utah, Oregon State. 
And the one that we fought the most was Boise State, which surprised me a little bit. But uh, he's a pretty good kid. I think he's a pretty good athlete. Sounds like he's uh, pretty quick, which is what we want in this offense. Uh, Possibly one of the biggest gets we got so far this season is uh, Bryce Bennard. He is a four-star offensive tackle. He's the second highest player out of the state of Minnesota. He uh, six foot eight, three hundred five pounds. Had offers from Tennessee, Wisconsin, Duke, Iowa State, Michigan, Minnesota, Northwestern, Notre Dame, Oklahoma State, and Oregon, among others. Uh, this this kid is just going to be a monster. And from what I understand, that he's three hundred five pounds, but he almost looks skinny for as tall as he is. So that he still has stands to put a lot of weight on. And he's agile, and he moves fast. And, I mean, he, he's he's a good get, and especially considering we stole him from Michigan and uh, Wisconsin. Uh, you know, not only did you pick him up, but you took him away from other teams that you're going to be competing against. Uh, right. Also coming up this week, we have two two announcements. One tomorrow, uh, and Javen Wright, who is Toby Wright, former Husker Toby Wright's son out of Arizona, uh, he's not quite as sought after. He's uh, just a three-star, the number four, no, num- number fourteen player out of Arizona, but he does have a pretty good offer list. Out of he's got UCLA, Arizona State, Washington, Arizona, Louisville, Oregon, Syracuse. Uh, the crystal ball has a hundred percent towards going to Nebraska. Uh, I don't always read into the crystal ball because I don't know that they're, they, but they know more than I do. So it's good. It's good to see that we're a hundred percent there. Uh, then. Then the big one, I think, is the guy coming out of Kentucky, Wend- Wend- Wendell Robinson. I'm probably saying his name wrong. And he announces. Wondell. Wondell. All right. So he announces November 1st. He's another four-star all-purpose back. He's the number four all-purpose back in the country, number seven out of Kentucky. He's got offer lists of uh, Duke, Indiana, Minnesota, Northwestern, Kentucky, Michigan, Cincinnati, Ohio State, Purdue, Bama, uh, I know. I know Ohio State's really high on this guy. As a matter of fact, uh, Ohio State had a big article about how it, that Nebraska is going to become a thorn in their side with recruiting because they, they 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 even think where they're going to lose this guy to Nebraska. Uh, the crystal ball has about seventy three percent to Nebraska for this kid. Uh, they're comparing him a lot to uh, Rondell Moore out of Purdue. Is a kind of guy that they're thinking he could be. So. I don't. I don't want to put that kind of expectations on a kid that's in a senior in high school, but his, his stats in high school are just absurd right now. Tyler, anything to add there? Well, not much, uh, Derek. You hit you hit pretty much everything there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Wendell Robinson's a really interesting guy. I mean, right now in this class, we have three running backs. Uh, Wendell Robinson would come in there and immediately become the best back of this class. Um, and honestly, I think we need a four running back, a uh, four running back class uh, for some of this depth. Um, you know, you talked about bringing in Bryce this week. I think that kind of shores up our offensive tackle position for recruiting needs. Um, yeah, I, I like what we're doing. Um, you know, Waddell Robinson would be, you know, among the better gets we get. So, you know, he, he right now in the state of Kentucky has 50 more points than the next highest player. So if you just think about total points put up, I mean, 50 more points in the next highest player. Um, he's had a great year. He's, he's a fun guy to watch. The thought of him and Maurice Washington in the backfield, um, you know, could be a really nice thing. So it, it will be interesting to see where the coaches go from here. I still think wide receiver 
um, you know, is a big need for the rest of this class. I think we could probably bring in three more of those guys. Um, but I, I think Robinson would kind of sure up where we're at running back. Well, you hey, where do we rank right now? Uh, according to rivals, I think we're number 20 and according to 24 seven composite, we're 22. Wow. That's pretty good. Especially considering we're not getting the, uh, high, the high, uh, prima donnas that Mike Riley was so, so sought after so hard for, for I, us. Uh, okay. Let, for, but no, I mean, really, I mean, we talked about Keyshawn Johnson, what a big get that was. And we talked about some of these, like some of these other athletes that we were getting under, under Riley. And I, I'm not trying to, and this isn't try to a shot at Riley. It was just, he went after the higher profile names where Scott Frost is going more after what fits, what fits his offense and defense a little bit better. And for him to be able to be ranked this high when nobody thought that he ever, when we, when we brought Frost in, our biggest concern was Frost doesn't like to recruit. Frost isn't going to recruit. And so for him to be ranked this high right now, I, I think it speaks volumes to how wrong we were about his recruiting. Okay. Or, or maybe he is right now volume recruiting. Um, with 19 commits in this class, like that, that, that is a little bit of a volume. Uh, recruiting compared to where some of the other people are around us. I mean, you look at the school right behind us, Florida, they only have 15 commits. You know, a couple schools before us, you have Miami, 18, 18. I mean, we're right now kind of doing a little bit more volume recruiting. Um, good class, not trying to poo-poo on it or anything, but like, it, it's not like we're bringing in uh, elite level four and a half star talent right now. Yeah. Well, uh, let's uh, move on to Ohio State. Before we bring our guest in, do you guys have any thoughts on this Ohio State game that you don't want to say in front of the guest? <laughs> no, let's get him on here. Let's uh, I, let's let's dig, let's uh, duke it out. I, I want to duke it out with him too. I, I want to go back and forth with this guy. All right, hey, hey, Jake is a great guy. Just remember that. <laughs> All right, let's get Jake on, guys. We now welcome in Jake from the Urban Renewal Podcast. Welcome, Jake. Thanks for having me. All right. So uh, I got to ask you now, uh, what is the state of the uh, Ohio State program now that you lost to Purdue and you had a lackluster performance against Minnesota? What's, what's uh, Buckeye Nation saying? Well, I don't know if you paid any attention to any of the stuff that's come about Urban Meyer this week. Um, his health has been brought back into the news again this week. Uh, little known fact for any Nebraska fans, he's had a cyst on his brain for the last 20 years. Um, and he's actually had surgery in 2014 to help alleviate some of the stress. And against Minnesota, he actually went down on one knee and got like some, he's had chronic headaches for 20 years. Um, and he addressed that twice this week, once in the press conference. And then, uh, he did a sit down with reporters today. So, after the whole Purdue situation, you know, we get we get destroyed on the road at Purdue by 28 points or however many it was. And then uh, Urban Meyer's health brought back up. Um, it's a little bit of disarray. I think everybody's ready for this game to happen because everything, we haven't played a game in, you know, today's the 30th. We haven't played a game in, you know, 10 days at this point. Um, everybody wants to kind of forget about that Purdue loss and get past this health stuff. You know, it's pretty funny, or ironic, funny's not the right word, it's ironic that every time Urban Meyer loses, his health becomes an issue. It's just, I, I, 
It's really bad timing. I, I honestly, it's, it almost defies logic that how that happens every single time. Yeah, his health, I mean, his health will always be a thing because of the thing at Purdue, or not, at Florida. Uh, thing in Florida where, you know, he quit his job and then one year later he came to Ohio State. Um, I mean, against Minnesota, uh, for anybody that actually watched the game, which most people probably didn't, um, the reporters actually thought that he ran into it, one of his players because the, he had people attending to him in the middle of the game on the sideline. They were ready to take him off in a cart, like in the fourth quarter. And... Uh, he addressed it after the game that had to do with his cyst that he had surgery on in 2014. Um, but yeah, it is always just, of course, after the loss that, you know, the jokes are going to come up with, is there Meyer going to quit his job? You know, is his health, is he going to have more heart pains that, um, yeah, it's always going to come up, no matter what happens with Urban Meyer for the rest of his career, his health is always going to be, you know, the butt of a couple jokes. Well, he just, he just seems to use it a little bit to his convenience, I think. And I, and, as a outsider, I think everybody notices that, and I'm not trying to down on a guy. If he's got health problems, I feel bad for him. Uh, but it does seem to come when he wants it to, I guess, he, or he uses yeah. it for an excuse I, when it comes up. Uh, I, I let me ask you this though: so you bring up Florida, and you bring up his health concerns at Florida, where he had quote unquote heart problems that turned out to be severe heartburn. Uh, What's the level of concern there in, in the state of Ohio? I, I know the guy says, "Oh, I'm here for I'm here for the long haul, and I'm not going to retire. I'm not going to leave." But after this off season with the with the Greg Smith incident and all the lies that came out in the Big Ten media days, how much can you really believe what he's saying right now? Yeah, no, that's a valid point. That's a valid question. Um, I mean, he was asked it straight up on Monday in his press conference. They said, "Are you going to coach next year?" He said, "Yes." Are you going to coach at Ohio State? He said, "Yes." Um, I mean, he's not going to come out and say, no, I'm not going to coach because that would throw the whole program into a state of hysteria or even consider saying, well, you know, I'll address that after the season because then that's going to kill your recruiting any bit that you have as well. Um, when he got hired on, everybody kind of had the idea that he was, wasn't going to stay more than seven or eight years. Uh, there's always been this idea that Urban Meyer was probably going to retire before the age of 60. Um, his family, he's incredibly close to his family. Um, his son's on a baseball scholarship at Cincinnati. There's always been this idea that like Urban Meyer wasn't going to coach 10 years. If you had asked people if he had coached seven, everybody would be happy. And this is his seventh season. Um, and he just signed his four-year extension in the spring before all this stuff happened. Um, I don't think he'll complete this contract. I think this contract, it will be his last one at Ohio State. I don't think, I think he'll be back next year. But I don't know in two, three years what he'll be back. I think he's got to come back next year because I don't think, I think his pride has too much in him that he doesn't want all the naysayers like Paul Feinbaum to be right at that situation. I think he's going to come back just to kind of prove people wrong that he can come back and do it. But I wouldn't be surprised if in two or three years he retires. Um, you know, if he wins another national championship in two or three years, I wouldn't be surprised if he rides off into the sunset. Okay, you bring up recruiting, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to down Ohio State. Ohio State's always known for having like a top five class, and and it's early. They're, he could still turn it around, but right now they're struggling a little bit in recruiting. Like they have 14 recruits, which isn't bad, and they're number 15 in the country according to 24/7 Sports, which for most teams would be really good. But for Ohio State standards, that's 
a little low. I mean, they're used to at least top 10 classes, if not top five, right? So this class is also going to be a little smaller. They took 26 kids last year, 28 kids last year, my bad, 28 kids. And the one thing you have to look at for Ohio State is your average player ranking. Your Our average player ranking is probably top three right now, maybe top four, the absolute lowest. We're a 92.51, and that's 15th. The next closest person in the top you know, 10 would be number four, Georgia at 93, and Alabama at 92.85. So there's only two schools that have an average player rating higher than us. So if you want to go by that, we have the third best recruit, average recruit. We just don't have as many recruits as everybody in front of us. You know, A&M has 24 recruits. Clemson has 24. LSU has 19. Michigan has 23. We have 14. And just because we're taking a smaller class, we're only going to take 20 or 21 kids at the most this class, just because we don't have the scholarships. And we don't have too many guys that are probably going to leave early with the way this team's playing. And Tyler's hammering me because we're over-recruiting at 19. Jeez. Hey, let's I'm talk not about- over <laughs> hey, let's talk about uh, players leaving early. Let's talk about Nick Bosa. Hey, what is his what is his impact uh, leaving? What, what has this done to your defense, or is there an impact? I mean, Nick Bosa is arguably the best player in college football. If he's not the best, he's top five hands down. The guy had played in three games and had four sacks, and he didn't play in the second half of the first two, and he got knocked out in the third quarter against TCU. He had four sacks in three halves of a football game. Like, there is no replacing him. I know we recruit really well. Um, I mean, he is more talented than his brother, and you see what his brother did in college football and what he's doing in the NFL. Like, he's honestly a better overall player than Joey was. So trying to replace uh, Nick Bosa is impossible. You you just don't do it. Um, There's been a couple guys that have stepped up, but nobody that has had the impact of Nick Bosa. Um, I mean, that was a devastating injury, just honestly, because he's a player that other teams have to literally game plan for. You know, you have to you know have an extra blocker on that side. You have to run away from his side. You're not rolling out to his side. Um, the one of the last plays against Rutgers in the first half, their left tackle decided to have some balls and say that Nick Bosa never beat him. Uh, and never gave up a sack to him. Well, the last play of the half, uh, Nick Bosa drove their quarterback into the ground and actually took him out for like three or four games. So, you know, losing a Nick Bosa is just, it's irreplaceable. It's like if we were to lose Dwayne Haskins this week, you know, we have another guy on the team, but is he as good? No. It's not like, you know, all of a sudden our backup quarterback, Tate Martell, is going to suddenly, you know, vault himself into the Heisman race. See, it, it's it's funny you say because there's a lot of Nebraska fans around here that I've brought up. Losing Nick Bosa has really killed your guys' defense, and I, I think it's a huge impact with with that defense. And you talked about some of the stats. Uh, I just want to I just want to reiterate some of this. Like this guy's Nick Bosa's fourth in tackles for a loss, and he's only played in three games, and he's fourth on their team with with tackles for loss in three games when other people have played eight games. Uh He's second on a team for, for yards lost on those on those plays with forty three yards. Uh, he got he like you mentioned he has four sacks, which is third on your team. He's only a sack and a half behind your leader. So for a guy to play in only three games and have stats that he's that that he's ranked that high with guys that have played in every game, it, it's a huge impact to lose a guy. And it's not just his stats; it's his leadership and everything else that guy brought to the table. I mean, 
there was just so much that guy had. And he, like, there's still talk of him coming to uh, uh, being the number one overall draft, and the guy isn't even playing this season. Yeah, well, he he is just a phenomenal talent. Like you said, you know, he was a captain on the team. Um, so it hurts when you don't have him out there. And I mean, withdrawing from school, that whole thing, I'm still fully supportive of because I support like, you know, he's got it. He's going to go get his money. He, there was no way he was coming back this year. Um, so not having him there on the sidelines, not having him there in practices, like it, it's an absolute killer. Well, I know Adrian Martinez is thankful that he's leaving early. So uh, that's, that's going to be, <laughs> Hey, let's talk about some of these matchups. Uh, Hey Tyler, you've been quiet a little bit here. Uh, what matchups do you think benefit Nebraska in this game? Well, I, I think the biggest benefit for Nebraska isn't necessarily a matchup, but I look at their uh, Ohio State's offense and their inability to run the ball this year. Um, you know, they, they have you guys have consistently underperformed in that area, which is shocking with, you know, Dobbins and Samuels and the talent you guys had coming back this year that you guys underperformed this way. Um, our run defense hasn't been great this year. I'm not going to say it is. But if you take out that Michigan game um, and Wisconsin, which are two damn good teams running the ball, um, we've actually been pretty serviceable in this area. You know, we held Minnesota um, to a much lower rushing average than you guys did. Um, so I, I look at this being a chance for us. to um, That could be an advantage Nebraska could see this weekend. Jake? So here's the one thing I meant to look this up beforehand. I absolutely forgot to do it. I was going to look up how Ohio State does the week after a loss, because if you remember last year when we played Michigan State, uh, we were a freight train that just ran them over last year. So, you know, they've committed to saying that they're going to try it for the run. I'm all aboard that. Let's just be Texas Tech and air it out every play, because obviously that's working for us. Um Last year, we couldn't do anything against Iowa, and then we came out and ran for 330 yards against Michigan State. So um, I have a feeling they're going to try the run. That They said they had a really good week of practice. Um, we might be getting one of our offensive linemen back, which would be a huge help. Last year, we lost our, left, or our right guard, Brandon Bellman, to a broken leg. Um, there's talk of him playing this weekend, which would be a huge help because the guard play has been very iffy. Um, I don't know how he would play if he came back. He hasn't played in a year, but he's been practicing for a couple weeks now. So do we, do we do well with the run this year, this week? I don't know. I think if they can't get it to work after the first quarter, they're still going to try. Um, I don't think they're going to abandon it. I think they're going to keep trying to pound it down your throat until something works or that we just start losing the game. Um, so I guess we'll see how that works out. You don't think so they'll be airing it out 73 times again? I don't think Irvin will ever air it out 73 times ever again in his life. <laughs> Jake, all right. So I want to ask you about this matchup at Nebraska. Is there anything that Nebraska does that scares you? Um, pretty much any team that can move the ball scares me. Uh, I mean, Minnesota didn't have a powerful offense, and they ran for 170 yards on us. Or I think their freshman running back ran for 160 on us. Uh, I know Adrian Martinez is mobile. The idea of a mobile quarterback scares me because Trace McSorley went for almost 200 yards against us on the ground alone. So just because our linebackers have played so poorly this year that 
the issue with us is our linebackers play so close to the line of scrimmage and the fan base keeps calling for them to stop do that because you know when the linebackers are up the line of scrimmage if your quarterback rolls out a lot of times there's no linebacker nearby because we play press man coverage so if he rolls out and you guys you know run any sort of deep play you know post patterns out patterns uh, a lot of times there'll be room for your quarterback to run all right Derek, get in here props okay so yeah i think that i think that's a good point i i think uh our run game is a huge advantage for Nebraska because, because like I said, with Nick Bosa out and you talk about your linebackers and they've been a little uh, subpar this year. They're, I think they're a young group if I remember right. Yeah, uh, they are very young. Uh, so, so with losing Nick Bosa, I think you're putting a lot of pressure on those linebackers and it's, it's hard for them to step up and I'm not trying to down on these guys cause I'm sure they're good athletes, but when you're putting that much pressure on on, on young kids and you have a beast like Divina Zigbo, running the ball on you he's hard to tackle and they, i mean the guy's averaging 7.4 yards a, a carry right now throughout the season i mean and, and it's gotten better game by game i mean the last game he averaged 11 almost i think it was 11 yards a carry and i, I granted it was bethune cookman but against uh minnesota it was 9.8 yards a carry i mean he's just gotten better and better every week and if you guys can't can't tackle that guy we, we're gonna run all over you and, and, then, and then, like you said, if, if uh, Adrian Martinez, if he gets outside and you're going to give him that kind of running running room, uh, he's quick. And, and if he get if he gets going on you, he, I think he's a little quicker than Trace McSorley. I won't say he's a better quarterback than Trace McSorley right now, but I think he's quicker as far as running goes. Yeah, Trace McSorley. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, well, it's interesting between Trace McSorley and uh, Adrian Martinez, because if you look at total offense this year, you know, obviously Trace McSorley, big name, Big Ten. Adrian Martinez is one spot behind Trace McSorley in total offense this season. Um, They're both in the top 25 in the country. Adrian Martinez is second among freshmen in the country in total offense. Um, I think the, the similarities between those two are really up there. And, you know, I really think that Adrian Martinez could give fits um, the way that Trace McSorley did. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if you know you guys do um, utilize your quarterback run. You know whether he scrambles, whether it is a designed run, something to switch it up. I know there's going to be some wrinkles in this offense. It's not going to be cut and dry um, because everybody who plays this has a wrinkle of some sort. You know, you saw Purdue run fake field goals. Um, you got to do something to keep us off balance because, like, Urban Meyer can game plan very well, but if you throw some hitches in there, usually they're not prepared for it. All right, Jake. So, Nebraska, they kind of struggle against uh, the pass. Their pass defense is not very good. So, I know you say that you don't want to be passing it a lot, but you got to be licking your chops passing against this Nebraska defense, right? Uh, yeah, Dwayne Haskins is probably going to have a very solid day on Saturday. Um, he, even though we did throw the ball 73 times against Purdue, um, way more than we were used to, Dwayne Haskins still set the single-game passing record that game. Um, I mean, he's thrown for 2,800 yards. He'll pass 3,000 on Saturday. Granted, the your pass defense on the side to actually show up and play for real on Saturday. Um, I expect every bit to, for him to throw for 300 again. Um, he's probably going to break another record or two on Saturday. I think he's approaching um, single season passing records. 
I think all he needs to do is throw for maybe like 400 yards and he breaks the single season passing record in game 10 or however how did game we game nine. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a good feeling that um, Dwayne Haskins is going to have a very solid day on Saturday. We did lose one of our wide receivers against Purdue. His roommate, Austin Mack, who has been one of our best route runners, is out for the rest of the season. So we do rotate six guys. We're down to five. Um, but losing Austin Mack was a huge, huge loss for that wide receiver core. Yeah, that's about three more than what we got. And I'll speak for all of Nebraska fans right here by saying, uh, if we hold Haskins to only 300 yards passing, we got to like our chances there, don't we, guys? <laughs> yeah, we, we, that, that would be it. I think here's the thing. If, if you're Nebraska, what scares us is obviously Dwayne Haskins and obviously the talent of Ohio State. But you look at what Urban Meyer has done after a bye week, um, his time there. Um, I mean, the guy has only lost one game in the regular season after a bye, and that was last year against Penn State. The three years prior to that, they averaged 10 points given up on offense. Urban Meyer has only lost once at his time at Ohio State after a loss. The guy seems to do well with bye weeks and seems to get the team to play well after a loss. Um, But Nebraska, I will say this, though. I think what should scare Ohio State is this is not the team that started the year losing to Troy. I mean, this team has found a little bit of swagger. Um, even going back to that loss against Northwestern, I mean, we went in overtime on the road against a pretty good Northwestern team. Um, you know, we blew a game that we should have won. Um, this team should probably have three in a row. Uh, th- this is not the same team that started off 0-6. Well, let's not forget, and I, I know Jacob's going to hate this, but uh, we still have J.D. Spielman, who had 200 yards receiving on him last year with, with a lackluster offense. Now we have a pretty damn good offense, and he's still our best receiver. So while while we can run the ball on you, we're going to have J.D. Spielman, who's been able to tear you guys up a little bit. J.D. Spielman is a player who should be an Ohio State Buckeye. I will say that forever (laughs) and ever and ever and ever. There's no reason he should not be at Ohio State right now. Literally no reason. His uncle is an absolute legend at Ohio State, and there's no reason we shouldn't have brought him in. You know, uh, are you following recruiting very closely? Right now? Yeah, a fair amount. Okay, are you familiar with uh, Wandale Robinson? Yeah, who you're about to take from us. <laughs> who we're about to take, and he's about to wear the red end to come Friday. So, yeah, yeah I, I think with Frostin, and, uh, you might get used to this a little bit. Maybe he'll work out as well as Tyshawn Lindsay. Ouch, 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 ouch. That hurts. Well, if he does it, we'll ship him off to Oregon State. <laughs> That's where we send our reserves. <laughs> we already hey, beat up your reserves then. <laughs> hey, Jake, I got to ask you a question. Uh, how many times does Nebraska force Ohio State to punt this uh, game? It's uh, a good question. I'm going to go. I'm going to go four. Four. Tyler, yeah. over or under? I'll give you my reason after this. I, I'm going to go with under since I don't know if I've seen Ohio State punt against Nebraska since 2015. Oh, 2012. Oh, I the last time they punted. Yeah. 2012. Hey, maybe we bring Joe Bowser and he'll win. <laughs> Derek, over or under? I'm going under because we haven't made him punt since 2012. I do think we'll make him punt in this game, though. Just not over four. I'll say under as well. Jake, what was your reasoning for four? 
Um, one will be up enough in the first half, and Tulane made us punt like four times in the second half alone. Oh. Ouch! <laughs> I shouldn't have asked. <laughs> I shouldn't have asked for yeah. your reasoning. All right, I, got, I have an over under for you guys as well. Seventeen and a half penalties between these two teams, who are two of the highest penalized teams in the nation. Over. over, we'll have we'll have seventeen alone. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> if you have seventeen alone, I like our chances again. I, I will say, tell you this: is that game starts at ten o'clock my time out here. I am. I was going to do something about two o'clock, about four hour game. I'm like, there is no way this game is going to be under four hours with all these penalties. This is going to be <laughs> the longest game of college football we will play all year. Yeah, but between that and all the scoring, I think I think this I think this has uh, the chances to be a very high scoring game. What do you think, Jake? By both uh, sides, not just Ohio State. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious what the over under for this game is. I thought it was 71, 71 last 71. Yeah, uh, 71's a tough number on that. Um, I'd probably go the under on that. Just because I think it could be like a forty-nine to like twenty-one. That's not my final score prediction, but I think it could be something in that realm where you go just under seventy-one. I think it could easily hit like sixty-five. Like sixty, sixty-five is a realistic number. I think seventy-one is huge. Um, Well, before we go ahead and say forty-nine points over the last month of the season. The most po- Ohio State hasn't scored thirty points. Like, let, yeah, let's I, let's calm down on the. I was talking about you guys scoring forty nine. <laughs> I like your attitude. <laughs> let's get some game pickums. Uh, hey, we scored forty nine against Indiana. It's oh, only been a, three games since we scored forty nine. Yeah, it was first game of October. Okay. <laughs> We've only played two games since Indiana. I'm sorry, I forgot. I forgot about Indiana. That, and their, that, and their last that, that, the, the great loser defense over there. I mean, forgot hey, about them. They scored a whopping thirty on Minnesota that we scored fifty three on. Yeah, let's not talk about that one. Well, you know what? <laughs> you know, if people, you know, they, they row those damn boats up there. They 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 get those boats rowed. So, all right. Do, do, do you guys want to do any more battle here, or do you guys just want Let, to get let's get the, let's get these picks? <laughs> We're having fun for sure. All right, Jake, uh, all games that we pick right here are uh, straight up, not against the spread. I'll mention the spread, but it's not against spread. But I will say uh, the guests have been whooping our butt for the most part all year long. Tyler, what are the standings now? Yeah, uh, the the, the streak continues. Uh, Derek and the guests last week led the way with four and two, which brings the guests to 38 and 15. Derek's at 32 and 21. Justin, uh, you're a couple games behind him now at 30 and 23, and I keep sucking at 27 and 26. Uh, just just don't say whatever Tyler says. You'll be all right, Jake. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> I think that's why the guests are so far ahead is because they keep going opposite of Tyler. <laughs> all right, De- Derek, uh, first game is to you. Number 16, Iowa at Purdue. Produce two and a half point favorites. All right. So I, I've been a little bit of a believer in Purdue here in the last couple of weeks until last week when I watched them play against Michigan State. Michigan State has good defense. Don't get me wrong. Iowa has a better defense. And uh, Purdue only had 339 total yards against Michigan State. Blau had three of his five interceptions against Michigan State. 
And I still think Iowa's got the better defense. So I think they're going to shut down Purdue, and I think Iowa comes out with a big win here. Tyler. You know, Nick Stanley right now is questionable for Saturday. Um, and, and I would be concerning unless you watched any of that Penn State game and saw him complete like 13 passes um, and th- after 48 attempts. He was terrible. So him being questionable doesn't hurt them. Derek, you're right. Iowa's the number four ranked defense in the country. I like Iowa to win this game. But I do think it's going to be a closer game than you think. Jake. Uh, so I was on firsthand to witness Purdue kick Ohio State's ass, and uh, Purdue is probably a top four team in the country, in my opinion. Oh. <laughs> so I'm going to go Purdue this game. Yeah, I'm going Purdue also, and it has to do with the uh, the thumb injury to Nate Stanley. Uh, it's I think that's going to really hurt their offensive chances. They may be able to shut down Purdue, but where are the points going to come from for Iowa? So. Give me Purdue. All right, Tyler, number 13, West Virginia at number 17, Texas. Texas is one-and-a-half-point favorites. This is going to be a good game. You know, Texas, you know, obviously they just came off that uh, upset last week at Oklahoma State. Um, you know, they're a lot, they've been limping, though, over the last month. The last four games have all been within one possession. Uh, but here's the thing. I don't know what West Virginia is. West Virginia has yet to play Texas. TCU, Oklahoma State, or Oklahoma. I don't know what they are. Um, I'm going to go a little bit more with the team that I've seen play more. I'm going to go with Texas in this game. You're putting TCU in that argument? (laughs) They lost to Kansas, dude. Jake. Um, See, I'm a big, big David Sills and Will Greer guy. Um, I think David Sills is a phenomenal wide receiver. I think Will Greer can absolutely sling it around. Um, I think that was an emotional game for Texas last week. I think that they're going to come out a little bit of a hangover, and uh, West Virginia is going to end up winning this by one score, probably a seven or ten, seven, eight or nine point game, probably. I completely agree. I got West Virginia in this one, Derek. Well, okay. Texas has one good win. That was against Oklahoma, who they almost let come back and beat them. They struggled mightily against. Uh, a crappy Baylor team. Uh, they got, I mean, really, they kind of got destroyed against uh, Oklahoma State. And outside of that, they really haven't played anybody this year. And I, I was, and they lost me money last week. So I got to go against Texas and go to West Virginia. <laughs> go, Texas! <laughs> All right, Jake, this one's to you. Number 14, Penn State, your favorite team. Oh. At number five, Michigan. Michigan's 10 point favorites. So I think I read a stat, and I believe this to be right, that Michigan is the only team so far this year that hasn't allowed 2,000 yards of total offense. Um, Penn State has James Franklin, and he is an incompetent coach other than recruiting. And this is at Michigan, so this is going to be at least a 21-point game for Michigan. Did you really just pick Michigan? Uh, Am I trying to win this, or am I trying to (laughs) Derek. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, Michigan has the best defense in the nation as far as total yards. They, the team behind them has 40 less yards a game per game than than what Michigan's given up. They have uh, the sixth best scoring defense, the ninth best uh, rush defense, the first best pass defense. But I don't think Penn State can move the ball on them. Michigan will score enough points to win this game. Tyler? Okay. 
Penn State is a pretty good team. I mean, they played no, really competitive with Ohio State. He's just so saying that because he makes, picked them to win the East. I, I don't give up on Penn State. They're a good team. But here's the thing: Michigan's coming off a bye week. I think I said this a few weeks ago before it was hot. I think right now Michigan is one of the four best teams in this country. Um, I, I really think they're a good team at home. There, I, I just don't think Penn State's got a shot. I think this will be a better game than you two are leading on to, but um, Michigan wins this game. Yeah, I don't see it being a good uh, close game at all. I think Michigan runs away. Trace McSorley is an awful quarterback. That's the last thing I'll say. <laughs> I disagree on that part. But there's 38 <laughs> points. I think he scored against uh, Ohio State, but that's whatever. All right, Derek, we're coming to you now. Number four, Notre Dame, nine and a half point favorites at Northwestern. Oh, Northwestern. Justin, you laughed at me when I picked them last week. Yeah. No one thought they could beat Wisconsin. I told you guys Wisconsin plays like crap in Evanston. It happens every time they go there. Uh, this week, however, Notre Dame's offense is just too much for for Northwestern. And Northwestern's defense is mediocre. And I, I don't think their offense is good enough to outscore Notre Dame right now. That offense. You were leading up to pick the upset there. Oh, I, I did too. Uh, I was so looking forward to that. Tyler? Um, since Dexter Williams has returned for Notre Dame, he has three games over 140 yards rushing. Um, the guy has been phenomenal. Um, we, we saw what Divine Zibo did against him uh, a couple weeks ago. I, I think Notre Dame has a good game. They beat Northwestern. Jake? I really want Northwestern to win this game. I really, really want Northwestern to win this game. Um, but I remember a stat somewhere that Northwestern does not fare well against top five competition. Um, for that reason alone, North- Notre Dame's going to win this game. I have Notre Dame as well. All right, Tyler, here's a game that I don't even know why we're picking. Uh, number one, Alabama, 15-point favorites at number three, LSU. Well, we're picking this game because it's two of the four best teams in the country playing. This is at LSU. This is at Death Valley. I mean, LSU has one of the best home field advantages in the country. But Alabama is probably the best Alabama team we've ever seen out of a Nick statement, which is saying a lot. They're going to win. It might even be a two-touchdown game. Just hey, give them the damn trophies. Just just for the sake of argument here, we're, everybody's going to pick Alabama, I believe. There's no rational person would pick LSU. Oh! oh, oh well, All right, maybe, so, maybe. okay, I was going to say a little pick up against the spread, but Derek's going to be an asshole here. All right, Jake, go ahead. <laughs> uh, no, I'm going to be that asshole. I'm going to go with my hometown boy, Joey Burrow, right here. Joey Burrow, former Ohio State quarterback. Um, no rational reason for that, like you just said. But in Death Valley... <laughs> Um, Joe Burrow has played pretty well. He's going to need to play the game of his life and need a couple other things to go his way. Uh, but I don't know. I just think Ed Orgeron and LSU is going to be up for this game. I know they don't have Devin White for the first half of the game, which is awful on that part. But I think this game is going to be a lot closer than everybody anticipates. I think this is going to be a lot closer to what that 2011 game was. There might actually be some touchdowns in this one rather than you know five field goals. Um, I think we're going to see like a twenty-one to seventeen game in this one. Okay, LSU. Wow, you have LSU, right? I'm writing this down. LSU. Joe Burrow with the victory. Joe Burrow. Okay, <laughs> Joe Burrow. All right, Derek. Okay, Alabama is number one. They should be. They're national champions. They're undefeated. 
Let me tell you guys, they are untested. They haven't played anybody all year. Their opponent's record right now is 29-36. and 36. This is the weakest schedule I've ever seen out of a number one team ever. So we talk about how they're destroying everybody. Uh, their best wins are against Ole Miss and A&M. Let me tell you who uh, Ole Miss has beat. Texas Tech, Southern Illinois, Kent State, Louisiana Monroe, and Arkansas, who's 2-7. and seven. Uh, A&M has wins against Northwestern State, Louisiana Monroe, Arkansas. They have a good win against Kentucky and South Carolina. They have played nobody. Yes, they're destroying everybody, but when you're playing garbage teams, you should be destroying everybody when you're the number one team in the country. Uh, Death Valley is a damn tough place to play at night. And if you don't believe that, go ask Georgia. And uh, I, I think LSU can come up with a win here. I really do. They have a good defense, and I think they have enough offense to keep up with uh, Alabama. I think they win late. Field goal. Well, well it looks like uh, Tyler and I will be jumping up in the standings here, <laughs> but Alabama is going to whoop the shit out of LSU. <laughs> so, I, I would well, take – if we were going against the point spread right here, 15 points, I'd take Alabama all day long in this game. So one of the most interesting stats, and I, I I hope I'm not getting this wrong, but Alabama in this season in the first half is undefeated against the spread. The second half they have not won. The reason is is because their backups are in every second half. They have not played four four quarters. Which hell, maybe in Death Valley that matters. It is a tough place to play. Um, I I agree. I just I'm still not buying LSU. I'm still because, not because because they play spot. garbage teams. That's why they're destroying everybody. I'm well, telling they, you, they, a 29 they, and 36 record for opponent record that is terrible. Let's see how you spin it next week after Alabama strikes the floor with LSU. It's like, well, you know, that's Ed Orgeron. He's not a good coach. We'll see. I how have one more thing it. I want to add. To this. Go ahead. Tua hasn't played in the fourth quarter of a game yet this year. I understand that he came back in the fourth quarter of the national championship game and through that game-winning pass, but when you haven't played in a crunch moment in any game so far this year, and if he's going to be required at any point to play under some sort of pressure, the guys that are on the starting this year weren't the ones playing last year. Like uh, Jerry Girudi, he, he was like a backup last year. Najee Harris, backup last year. All these guys that he's playing with, but this year we're backups last year. So how are they going to react if this is a close game come the fourth quarter compared to some of these LSU guys that are a little more veteran? I, I hope point. you guys are I'm right. not buying if, it. If I'm going to lose the game <laughs> all year, I want Alabama to lose. I hate it. I just, I don't buy it. I just, I think this is the best Alabama team Nick Saban's ever had. I actually hope you guys are right. I do not want LSU to win this game. I think they will though. The reason I don't want it to happen is because if, if, LSU beats Alabama, chances are they go to the SEC championship and Alabama gets a free pass into the playoff like they always do. Because Georgia will beat LSU in the rematch. That's yeah. I already see how this movie ends. Okay, next game. All right, now it's the score prediction. All right, the game of the week. Nebraska at Ohio State, number 10, Ohio State. Uh, this game opened up. Ohio State was 21-point favorites. Uh, before this podcast started, it was down to 18. Uh, Derek. All right. Tyler, you want a chance to catch up? I'm going to give you a chance to catch up right here. I think Ohio State really struggles to stop Nebraska's run game. And I'm the gomer, I know. It's not going to happen, but I don't care. I'm picking Nebraska to win 38-37. 
He's drunk. Tyler. <laughs> well, I want to pick Nebraska. I do. And I think that, you know, the, the 71 point over under, I don't think is good. I think Haskins is going to move the ball in the air. He's going to be efficient. Uh, we can't rush the passer. He's going to be successful. Um, but I think we can limit the run defense enough to make him one dimension. You guys, one dimensional. Um, my problem is, is I am not confident that our offensive line is going to be a hold up, even without a Nick Bosa, Ohio State. I think they're going to get pressure on our quarterback. I think Andrew Martinez. Um, I've seen too many struggles from offensive line. Um, I got this game a little bit more low scoring. I got Ohio State winning uh, thirty-five to twenty-four. Wow, Jake. Yeah, so this weekend, it's a tradition unlike any other. It is your classic noon blackout game. So the team's wearing all black uniforms. The stadium will be all black for, you know, a, a noon game. Uh, I, I don't think your pass defense will be good enough, honestly. Um, Dwayne Haskins, I mean, the guy has just been lighting up skies up lately. Even Purdue, um, you know, he threw for almost 500 yards against Purdue. Granted, it was a 73 pass attempts. Uh, I think this game, uh, the scoreboard will be a little closer than what it actually was. Um, I don't know if Dwayne Haskins will play in the fourth quarter. I think it could be kind of in hand in the fourth quarter. Uh, I'm going to go 42 to 24 being that, you know, it might be 42, 10 in the fourth quarter and you guys hit two garbage time touchdowns, um, (laughs) that honestly, I just, I don't think you guys will be able to keep up, and I think we'll just make enough plays on defense to hold you. All right. So I think Ohio State, they're going to score their points. Uh, I agree with you, Jake, that uh, Haskins is probably going to tear up our secondary. They're going to get their yards. They're going to get their points. But I also think that Nebraska's they're going to be able to move the ball as well. I think they're going to score some points as well. But, you know, uh, Scott Frost said something yesterday, I believe, or maybe it was today. Uh, he said, this is probably the worst week of the year to play these guys, referring to uh, Ohio State uh, coming off their loss to, to Purdue and the bye week. And for a guy who never does a good job about tempering expectations, by his comments there, I kind of think that Scott Frost knows that we're going to get drug a little bit in this game. So I have Ohio State winning fifty six to thirty eight. So yeah, just remember, just remember last year Michigan State was ranked number thirteen. We were ranked number twelve, and we beat them by forty. Well, just well, re- just remember two weeks ago Purdue was unranked, and you guys were number three and got beat bad. Yeah, Iowa did that too. We have, we've got this really bad tradition of losing a bad game every year. So I'm already kind of picking. You know, we're going to lose to like. Indiana next year. <laughs> well, well, lose to your... us. Lose to us. Yeah. That's the game you want to lose to. You guys might be ranked next year. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope there. So, I got one last question before we wrap this up. So, I don't know how much. Uh, obviously, we do a lot of Husker talk. You know, you, you we we had a great time coming on your podcast um, before the season. Got a chance probably to follow a little bit of Nebraska. What has been your impressions of the Scott Frost era debut? I think he's the right guy for the job. I think he got handed an awful deck. Um, you know, he had to go out there and start a freshman quarterback, and then he had to start a walk-on quarterback. You know, how many guys are coming into a new job and they're starting a walk-on at some point as a quarterback, and not by choice like Minnesota's walking a walk-on quarterback out there. Um, you know, every other guy who came into a job this year either had you know 
a little bit more of a veteran presence, um, you know, more of a leadership there. Uh, didn't really get handed an awful hand. I think Scott Frost is the right guy. You know, you see he's recruiting guys. You know, you guys are pretty much expected to get Wandale Robinson. That, you know, he's going to get guys in there, but he needs two or three more years, I think, to really get it going. You saw him do the turnaround at UCF where he went 0-12 to 12-0. and um, The guy knows how to coach. It's only a matter of time, I think, until... Uh, you get going and get back to be a perennial top 25 team. I always thought Mike Riley was an awful hire. I never liked that hire because you got rid of Bo Pelini. And I think honestly, Mike Riley was a worse coach than Bo Pelini. And I didn't understand why you would get rid of a nine and three coach to go after a guy who was very average at Oregon state. Um, so following that, you know, I thought this was a phenomenal hire. It was the easy choice. Everybody knew he was going to go there. Um, he just needs time to get everything in place because running a freshman quarterback out there is very tough. You know, when Adrian Martinez gets to be a sophomore, junior, senior, you know, he could be a very good quarterback and be leading a pretty good team at that point. Just for clar- just for clarification, that was Jake talking, not me. <laughs> Mike Riley. I just want everybody to know this because I've said these same things for the last three or four years and everybody gave me hell for a long time about it, but. Hey, in related news, it sounds like Bo Pelini is about to get thrown out of Youngstown State there, huh? That's that's incredible because he's from Youngstown. I don't even know how he gets thrown out of Youngstown State when he's literally from there. Yeah, that's crazy. It's them he Ohio boys. Little... I, don't, I don't understand them Ohio boys, you know? I just... Real quick, you know who all the coaches are from Youngstown? You've got all the, all the Stoops brothers, Bo yep. Pelini. Um, Jim Trestle is from somewhere in that area. There's like a Urban Meyer. Urban, yeah, Urban Meyer's from up uh, by Cleveland. Mm-hmm. You know, that Northeast Ohio has a ton of college coaches that have come from there. It's like the college football mafia right there. You know, it's, <laughs> it's all about who you know, huh? <laughs> it, it feels like it sometimes. All right, Jake, uh, before you get out of here, throw out your Twitter handle and let our listeners know how they can listen to your podcast. Yeah, so uh, if you follow us at The Urban Renewal on Twitter, um, if you guys really want to follow about all the Ohio State stuff that's going on, if you want to see anything that's happening, listen to us. Um, We always tweet out any of our new content. Um, We're on iTunes, uh, Spotify, Google Play. it's always posted on our Twitter handle. All right. Well, uh, we'll also include your Twitter handle when we post the show tonight. So uh, thank you so much for joining us, man. We had a, so much fun talking to you. Uh, maybe, uh, well, not this year, but we'll, we'll meet up in the conference championship sometime. Yeah. Maybe in a year or two. Yeah. That'd be fun. All, All right. right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Jake. All right. All right. Now it's time for the Let It Ride segment. So, the Let It Ride. Uh, each week we bet money against the spread, starting out at $3, and we keep doubling and doubling and doubling. If, if we keep winning, whatever we receive at the end of the year, we're going to give half that money to Tom Osborne's charity, Teammates. Great charity. Uh, right now we're looking to go uh, make it six in a row now. Last week uh, we hit Florida International minus three and a half at Western Kentucky. This week, uh, we are rolling $76.33 into the Houston at SMU game. We're picking Houston, 13-point favorites. Derek, why is this a good pick? 
SMU seems like a really bad team this year, and Houston scores a lot of points. So I, I, I don't see where you can go wrong with that one. Tyler. Derek said it really well there. Um, I, I will say I was pretty impressed with with what Houston did to South Florida last week and went 50, 57 to 36. Um, you know, they beat Navy by two touchdowns the week before that. I, I think this Houston team is uh, a pretty good team, and I think SMU uh, is not. So I, I, I think this is a safe bet. Yeah, actually, we picked that Houston game uh, two weeks ago against Navy. Uh, it was close. Navy put a kind of a fourth quarter charge there in the last couple of minutes, but Houston still covered. So, yeah, I, I still think it's a great pick. So uh, we should be rolling over 145-ish next week. So let's uh, keep getting it, guys. All right, guys, now it's time for last call. No, no topic is off limits. Last call to you, Tyler. So tonight was the premier college football playoff rankings, and – you know, the top four teams go uh, Alabama, Clemson, LSU, and uh, Notre Dame. You know, I think overall the, the committee got it right. I like where they did this. Uh, Joe Klatt had a really interesting take or observation on the polls. The, the number one undefeated team is SEC. The number one one-loss team, SEC. Number one two-loss team, SEC. Number one three-loss team, SEC. There might be a little bit of SEC bias in this playoff mm. committee. Uh, I think they're a good conference, maybe the best, but it, it just seems like it's pretty convenient, the fact that even LSU is ahead of Notre Dame, an undefeated team. Derek? Uh, yeah, I, I really didn't like uh, LSU being ahead of Notre Dame. LSU lost to a decent Florida team, which I, I don't think that puts them ahead of Notre Dame, who – is undefeated and has a big win against a good Michigan team. Uh, they also beat Stanford, who was number seven at the time. I, I know Stanford's kind of fell apart since then, but uh, the, the biggest slap in the face of this whole thing to me was UCF being ranked number 12, which is exactly where they had them last year. So they just refused to move them away from number 12, apparently. Yeah, you know, I, I don't want to get too wrapped up in what these ranking, rankings are because they are definitely going to change a lot by the time we get to the end of the year. But, yeah, that UCF thing, that was kind of a dig at UCF. Uh, but also, Iowa State in there at 23 with a 4-3 record. I mean, is that right? I don't know. That, that just seemed weird to me. But, you know. Well, Texas A&M's in there. Yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, we'll I think Texas A&M's losses out. are slightly better than Iowa State's, though. But I don't know. Maybe not. All right, last call to you, Derek. All right. So uh, Maryland has finally come out. Here we are eight weeks into the season. They finally come out and said they would rather retain DJ Durkin after his debacle before the season started, and he had a player lost to heat stroke and – I, I, I'm curious to know how this guy continues to recruit when he goes into a home and says, hey, trust me with your kid. I only let one of them die. <laughs> I don't think that's going to be his exact words, but <laughs> Tyler. <laughs> you know, we have a pretty big roster. Only one kid die. What do you want from me? I mean, yeah. it, we, it, it's, it's like we have we have 100 kids here. We have a 99% live rate. Um 
you know, yeah, too soon, with, with, too with soon. all, with all due respect to the loss of life in this situation, it's kind of hard to tell. Um, Maryland is a big institution. Um, you know, I trust that they probably went through this. DJ Durkin, I guess my whole thing is I don't think the guy is worth the fuss. You know, if the, Urban Meyer, I kind of got why they kept him. You know, some of these scandals, some of these things I've understood. But DJ Durkin, really? You're, you're going to put your brand on the line for that, man? I, I just, I, I don't see it. Yeah, it was a shock to me because last I heard that there was uh, – uh, parents really complaining that they feared for their son's safety if DJ Durkin was uh, going to come back. And they they bring him back anyway. And it's like, huh, who are you catering to here? It's 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 a shocker. I, I can't believe this actually happened. Well, before, you, before we move on, so apparently there was a handful, maybe more than a handful, but there were quite a few players that like stood up and walked out of the meeting when they announced him coming back. Well, I can imagine, you know, I mean, that uh, the player that died, he wasn't just a number. I mean, he, he had friends. There were friends there that put blame with the strength and conditioning of the coaching staff. I mean, Absolutely. Yeah, I, I completely get it. I just don't have, I just don't see where you bring this guy back. But anyway, go on. All right, last call to me, and uh, I got to bring it to Nebraska ball. Uh, guys, we have not done – uh, our due diligence this year. Uh, we haven't talked about uh, Nebraska ball yet, and it's crazy. Uh, this week, Nebraska plays Wayne State in a exhibition game on Thursday, November first. And how did you know? We didn't even bring this up even in the last call. Nebraska, they are ranked number twenty-five in the coaches' poll, preseason ranking. I mean. I'm expecting some big things out of Nebraska last year. You know, I've been a Tim Miles hater until last year. Uh, last year, they did some great things, fell short by not making it to the tournament. But I'm really excited for basketball. I can't wait till it kick, tips off. Derek? Well, last time we were ranked, uh, especially preseason, we went ahead and shit the bed. And when we do it again, Tyron Liu <laughs> is now available. So, oh. hey. Look forward to a new coach. Tanner. Well, I'm going to be optimistic. Uh, Derek's back to his pessimistic ways, which is the man I love, and I appreciate him back being an asshole and just shitting all over it. Usually Justin's the guy that does it on Tim Miles, but I, I, I like what Tim Miles has been saying. You know, I think this, this you know, all the things that Eichhorst did, um, most of them bad Maybe one of the best is giving Tim Miles another year. Um, I like where this direction of this program is going from recruiting. I like where this roster's at. Um, I think this is the year we have a breakthrough. Oh, it's going to be fun. Can't wait. But uh, we'll see how it goes. Hey, we got to get out of here, guys. Great episode. Lots of fun. Lots of laughs. Lots of bourbon. <laughs> you couldn't ask for anything more. All right. Uh, Derek, did you have something to say there? Yeah, I, I just want everybody to know I am rooting for Nebraska ball. I just don't have a lot of faith in Tim Miles. <laughs> Guilty conscience speaking right there. All right, big thanks to Jake of the Urban Renewal Podcast for joining us tonight. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter, at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. Look for our episodes on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and HuskerHype.com. All feedback is welcome. Let us know how you like the show. Please share our episodes. Help us get our show out there. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. 
We'll see you next week. And as always, go Big Red.